1: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm Rose Will DeWitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we are back to continue our annual State of the Franchise series as we will be wrapping up the Chicago Bears offense today by breaking down the team's tight end and wide receiver situation heading into the offseason. Nick, man, I, I by the way, I hope you're doing well. I look forward to building off our discussion a week ago, concluding the offense, but how have you been? How's your week? And I know we have some other... Interesting topics to talk about here on the top of the show.
2: Yeah, I've been good. Um, The weather is finally... Like, there's not as much snow out there, Will. And I I could be happy about that because it's that, what, these first two weeks of February were just awful in terms of weather, the cold, and everything. But I'm doing good, staying busy. How about yourself?
1: Doing good. Some big life changes are in the works for me uh, in a very positive way. Uh, I'm one that I'll talk about it, I think, once we go through a full transition. Don't want to put too much in front of me just yet but very exciting uh, to say the least and uh, I know we we're talking about that a little bit offline but I'm in great spirits today and uh, I, speaking of that I saw some weird things come across my timeline whenever I had a, some time to go on some uh, on Twitter today about Russell Wilson and a potential trade out of Seattle and the Bears were one of just a few teams that he would even be open to being traded I guess too which is very interesting I didn't expect to see that today what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just happy to see the Bears are one of those three teams. And I think every quarterback and every Bears fan is going to be like, can the Bears somehow get, you know, X, Y, and Z? But it happens to be Russell Wilson being if, you know, they w- w- were to be a trade. he's these The Bears are one of the teams. So uh, I think it was very exciting for a lot of Bears fans. We'll I have to wait and see. I think right now the Bears have to play the waiting game to see what Deshaun Watson will do, what Russell Wilson and his camp will do because it seems like there are a bunch of quarterbacks that are not happy with where they're at. But knowing the Bears, they'll end up with what? Like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, would a Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson were available? Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, some, you know, no, not no name, but just not the guy we want. So that was exciting to see, though.
1: Would he automatically become your like like a top three option for you? Like with all trades involved, I think Deshaun Watson, knowing you as much as I do, would still be your number one. But I'm curious, would Russ Wilson turn into that number two immediately?
2: Oh, yeah, he has to, just in terms of what he's accomplished, what he can still do. And if you bring him in, you know that you're automatically upgrade. It doesn't matter what you give up. You do upgrade as an entire team, not just at the quarterback position, but the entire team you upgrade. But, of course, it's going to be Deshaun Watson, number one. Russell Wilson number two I really don't even have a three four or five yet you might have to go to the draft to find those guys but it just seems like those are two game franchise changing or franchise changing to be completely honest guys and if you can acquire one of them I, I like
1: my chances with with one of those two guys right now with Watson a little bit more of a longevity there compared to a Russell Wilson so a little bit of a trade-off but in a much better situation to say the least for the Bears if it works out again. We don't like to speculate too much on the show, but it is something that kind of did, I guess, come out today, which is just interesting, exciting. And like you said, Nick, the waiting game's on and hopefully the Bears do have a plan and they're able to Go and get their guy. Have some of that, what's the word from 2018 that we don't get to say anymore? Conviction. I hope they can have some conviction and go out there and you know get the one player that they believe can help right this ship on offense. Uh, as we talked about last week, there's a lot to fix. We're going to talk about a lot more fixing that needs to be done here in this show. Uh, before we do get to that, one more thing. New stadium? What's all about th- What's about that? Yeah, I mean, if, whether
2: or not the Bears should or if they're a future for the Chicago Bears to move to the Arlington Racetrack in Arlington Heights, and look, we were talking about this offline. Will I'm all for it. I'm all for Soldier Field being in a new location. I think it's a hassle to get down there in the first place, and there's nothing around. If you're talking about
0: finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds, meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic get full offer details at tempurpedic.com
2: the scenery it's like what do you see uh, lake michigan it's like cold and freezing like i get the bare weather and you know the you know all the history that's there there hasn't been any recent success there either And if you can move it out and get people to come there, I think it would be more accessible. A lot more people can go there. Like, maybe there's better tailgating spots. I don't know, Will. Like, for me, I'm not so attached to what has been there. I want to see something new, something different, something that could, I don't know, just bring some energy to – not that there isn't at Soldier Field because everyone gets excited, of course, but that would just be something new. And to have a modern stadium with possibly Mm -hmm. a retractable roof – Like, I'm all for battling the elements. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But, hey, it would be nice if we can have a retractable roof and have just a modern, up-to-date stadium. That would be what everybody else is doing. And the Bears can probably move towards that.
1: Just move them into a new era in this franchise. I know they cling to some of those pastimes the bears do and that's both with this direction of the franchise from a front office standpoint and with the stadium i mean, go back 20 years they wanted a new one or fans wanted a new one and all they did was renovate soldier field that was kind of like a stopgap solution and now where it's already outdated smallest seating capacity in the entire nfl and that's another big one bump up that capacity and let's have more bears fans in that field when it comes to on game day. That would be really exciting for me. And then as well as something else we mentioned uh, before we started the show is what would it be like if Chicago can host a Super Bowl Uh, if they did get a stadium that would allow for that? And that's exciting. I was living in Indianapolis years ago when that city hosted a Super Bowl, and that's just so much fun. Uh, So I think this could have a lot of definite positives. Again, we're just kind of talking about some things that are just in the whirlwinds right now, but both pretty exciting in their own equal and uh, opposite ways yeah and like
2: the nfl combine's always in indianapolis because a very central location indoors chicago gets an indoor stadium bring the nfl combine there obviously we didn't get a chance this year but you could do that final fours there's so many options so if you're thinking about revenue you can also think about it that way in terms of making money but yeah just it gives you options and uh, something different and i think the Bears should. Not that they probably won't even look into it. Well, this is all speculation, all just rumors, and mm-hmm. so it's it's the, the hot topic right now, right? But hey, I think it would be worth mentioning. But it won't happen.
1: No, I, like will the Bears sell out money? Because they're not going to get a lot of public help. You want to imagine? This, Chicago owns Soldier Field, and it's the stadium in a park. That's what the, my little popcorn bucket says in my office. I doubt they're mm-hmm. going to, you know put out some tax dollars and fund it themselves too. So there would need to be a little bit of a balance there, but it would be tough, I would believe, especially coming out of a pandemic year where you didn't have any revenue coming from the stadium. And I'm sure Chicago and the Bears split that in some way. Uh, So yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of follow and maybe something kind of formulates here, but I wouldn't hold my breath, but it does get you excited. It's like Madden, like when you get to build a new stadium, I do that every time. I do a Bears franchise. I I do Soldier Field for about five seasons, and I'm like, all right, let's do something different. Let's make a new modern stadium. And a city like Chicago, the market size that it is, I get jealous looking around the league at, like, Minnesota, uh, what they did for the Vegas Raiders, looking out in L.A. Like, those types of stadiums, they're remarkable. Uh, And if the Bears can find something similar in Chicago, or at least in the Chicago area—and again, we talked about this, too. We failed to mention it here— all these other stadiums—they're not really in the cities anymore. When you look at Phoenix, LA, over even in New York City where the Giants and Jets play, there's just not retail space available in cities. It's not the 1950s. You can't just go willy-nilly. Let's build a stadium. So things do have to get moved out. You need a good plot of land. Uh, it's exciting, but it's probably nothing the here.
2: Arlington Bears, the Arlington. No, I'm just kidding. it would obviously be the Chicago, but yeah, it's it it would just be with the times. What's what's happening now and. Maybe they should consider it.
1: Perhaps. And I know we're going to be talking about tight ends and wide receivers, but before we do start, I do want to share a quick message about our friends over at Manscaped. And who you know, they're simply the best in men's below the wa- uh, below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments as well, and they they do that because they want to provide you the best tools for your just grooming experience. Manscaped, they're trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. They've created their best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. That third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. And you can now feel confident shaving your boys. Plus, They have an LED light. It's waterproof, so you can take it with you in the shower. And I personally love that light because I think it's very underrated. It does kind of help you see exactly where you're uh, attempting to groom there. And uh, I think once you know when you get a little further away from your face, you want to make sure you have as much clarity as possible. And I want to make sure you listen up here because our code it has changed from the past. It's the same as last week's code, but just in case you missed it, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code FANSIDED20. All right, Nick, we have tight ends. We have wide receivers. If you're listening to this episode and you miss our quarterbacks, offensive line, and running backs episode, definitely go back and listen to that. You can wait till after this episode. Nick, I don't think order should really matter, right?
2: No, I don't think so. We're breaking them down individually, so whichever one comes on your
1: timeline first, make sure to listen to it. There you go. So let's go ahead and jump in and kick off our positional analysis. And Nick, let's go ahead and start with the tight end position today. And I want to begin by gaining some perspective. It was this time a year ago, Nick, that tight end was arguably the biggest need on offense. Entering the offseason this year, at least, it feels like a whole different situation with Colkomet and Jimmy Graham, and we'll discuss Graham's future in a little bit throughout this show. But first, I did want to assess the job that Ryan Pace did last year to address this position. I was going through my notes, and for the 2020 State of the Franchise offense, I had uh, from Jacob Infante had the original tweet, so I'm still going to credit him for this stat. But in 2019, the Bears had six tight ends, and when you combine that, they ranked 13th in catches, 22nd in yards, and 34th in touchdowns. So Ryan Pace did a double dip which he's been very famous about doing in Chicago. He went with the draft, he went with three agency, Graham and Komet. So I took the top two tight ends this year instead of the top six in the previous year, combine them. If you combine Komet and Jimmy Graham, they would rank third in catches, sixth in yards, and second in total touchdowns. It's hard to really argue with those results, uh, just how much they were able to kind of climb the ladder there just with two tight ends. Pace and Nagy, they did find a way to get more out of the position, although I believe we all learned that just wasn't enough for this offense. But, Nick, what kind of grade would you give Ryan Pace if you're assessing what he did last year to fix the tight end position, which was completely broken uh, with Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen? And I think he was able to do a pretty decent job of turning it around for the 2020 season.
2: Yeah, and when you look at 2019, the tight end position was non-existent. It wasn't a factor in anything that the Bears were doing offensively. And then you turn around and you see Jimmy Graham's catching touchdowns in the red zone. Cole Komet's starting to get involved later in the season. You have to give a grade from 2019 to 2020. It's it's like a 7.5 and, and 8 for me in terms of what you saw it upgrade-wise. And yes, like you said, Will, they probably could still use more from the position, but Just seeing the growth from 2019 and 2018, completely different room, really. It was a major upgrade. So uh, you have to give Ryan Pace credit for that. And when when Jimmy Graham was signed, it was like, what are you doing, Ryan Pace? The deal that you're giving him. So he he panned out, especially when scoring those touchdowns. So give a lot of credit to Ryan Pace for that.
1: Yeah, it's one of those where, unfortunately, when you look at Graham, his contract situation – His age, you wonder how sustainable this duo could be. But for a one year solution, uh, going with Cole Komet for your first pick in the draft, supplementing him with Jimmy Graham in free agency, it did lead to some really tremendous results when you kind of compare him to really the woes uh, that the Bears had at this position just two seasons ago. I want to go ahead and take a little deeper look at these guys individually. And let's begin with the rookie. I guess he's not a rookie anymore, and that's Cole Komet. Uh, he led all first-year tight ends in yards, catches, yards after the catch. He's also second in total touchdowns scored by rookie tight ends. So, Nick, what surprised you about Komet's rookie season, I guess, for better or for worse? And how do you hope or how do you envision his game just evolving in year two? And I guess when you look at his rookie season, you want to look at that second half because that's what really when he got involved.
2: Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of looking at in terms of what – Cole Komet can do moving forward with this Bears team because I think early on it's still learning a lot about the position because you're not only learning the blocking schemes but the receiving you know how to be a detailed route runner as well when you're first coming in so the first half of the season look the Bears like Demetrius Harris really over Cole Komet in the beginning which I think just it shows what the the coaching staff is thinking but I liked what I saw the physical physicalness that Cole Komet was playing with and that I'm re- wearing an angry run shirt because that's what Cole Komet I think can bring especially at his size and what he's able to do in the open field he can create mismatches with that body type and also just run some people over so I really like that and I just want to see more looks for him because I think once the offense comes-
0: finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. pediccom
2: Kind of went to a play-action, rollout type of offense. You saw Cole Komet start to become that that. Sec- that first, first pick in the draft that the Bears were kind of envisioning him to be, so that's what I really liked about him, and I think if they kind of utilize that more often, Jimmy Graham, or Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet can really be that guy that they were all envisioning.
1: Yeah. Again, I don't even know if it's, I mean, he can always evolve. He can get deeper into the route tree and pick up on some subtle nuances. And I think it's easy to point out that he continues needs to improve his blocking at every tight end. You can say that, but I do remember about a year ago, you and I were at the combine and we read his interview and he mentioned coming out of college. That was the number one thing that team said, Hey, you need to work on the most. And I think he did a good job showing growth throughout the season. We just need to see that continue throughout this offseason and see him take another step forward next year. But by and large, if they can just find what they if they can bottle what they were able to get out of him at the tail end of last season, more around the second half of the season and have it be spread across and be consistent for all 16 games, you're looking at a really strong candidacy here for one of the best players on this offense most proficient players that they could have here for quite some time so when it comes to Cole Komet you know more of the same but just watch it grow little bit by little bit is there anything specific that you want to see him do if it's not blocking or route running I mean again you hit him underneath and you just let him run people over it's a lot of fun to watch but I'm sure there's more to this game that we can tap into
2: Yeah, I think the big thing, and this is going to be where I want to see if Cole Komet can really progress in this area, it's creating separation. Because when he is route running, he is a bigger guy, but in terms of when he was open, it was by scheme-wise. He was schemed open, and then he was able to kind of run and get those yards after the catch. You didn't see Cole Komet create separation at the top of a route from a linebacker so maybe that's just not his game but look this was year one we have to wait and see what Cole Komet can still develop into he's still so young and he was look he was a multi-sport athlete at Notre Dame so he didn't even focus all of his time on football when he was there so that's what I want to see from Cole Komet to see if he has that in him to create that separation and I think that's for Jimmy Graham I don't know if you can really expect that at his age at this point in his career but You want to see if Cole Komet can maybe develop that a little bit, but that's going to be the number one thing for me.
1: And I think it will happen. It will come because as time goes on, the game slows down for these players. They get in when you have rookies and young guys, young men, they're still growing into their bodies. He's still transitioning into football. He's going to get in better shape. So I would assume and hope that is one. And I can, you can also look at the quarterback play throughout every player that we talk about here today and how that impacted them. I think that's a real fair Point that we should mention as well, Um, but that's a really good one, Nick. I like that. Something I didn't have in my notes, but definitely glad that I have you on to bring that to the table. But let's move on to the veteran, Jimmy Graham. He had eight touchdowns on the year and was a consistent contributor in the red zone. He saw twenty-two percent of the targets for the Bears inside the twenty, and he had double the amount of touchdowns than the next closest Bear for the entire team. His eight score, well, in terms of receiving, uh, David Montgomery, different story. There we go. His eight scores were the most that he had since twenty seventeen and i know he may be a potential cap casualty this year. We don't need to hide that. I think it's been pretty well written about, speculated on, and the bears could save about 7 million if they let him go. And before we decide his fate and uh later on in the show, i'm just curious for you Nick, how did Graham do compared to maybe your expectations heading into the season?
2: Yeah, it's, honestly my expectations were pretty low for a Jimmy Graham. I wasn't I wasn't very high on what he could do, but When you see him scoring touchdowns in the red zone, it didn't really matter how many catches he had previous to that touchdown. It's like, all right, but he scored. And that's what he was brought in here to help the Bears do, to be more efficient in the red zone. And I think he just did a phenomenal job with that. So with Jimmy Graham, he he exceeded my expectations. Because like I said, the bar was pretty low for me. And he didn't produce very very much probably in the middle of the field. But when you got inside the twenty. Jimmy Graham came alive, and the Bears needed all the help they can get to just have another weapon down there, and he definitely provided that last season.
1: It's really hard to argue with these results. Like Again, even if he wasn't the biggest role guy down the stretch, I'm glad they started to turn it more to Cole Komet as well. We already mentioned that. But when you're in the 20, if you can have a guy like that that you can just throw it to, and you can trust that he's going to come down with that ball or have a real good shot, that's pretty valuable in its own right. So even if he's not a... Uh, A fearful weapon, you know, in between the 20s. But once you get inside the 20, it's a different story. Uh, There's still room for someone like that in any football team. And I think he was someone that, as we said, hit a little flat uh, early on last free agency. Did grow on us a little bit as we got closer to the season. After you find out about Cole Komet, you realize there's a bigger picture here. And I still agree with you that he did exceed expectations. And we'll talk about him and what the Bears should do a little later. I don't want to put that right here. So quickly moving forward, Demetrius Harris, utter disappointment. Uh, he phased out early in the year, thank goodness, after for uh, a puzzling uh, amount of targets in a Snapshare account early on in the year that really had us befuddled, uh, to say the least. Uh, J.P. Holtz, he was used more as a fullback, so we'll put him here. He's listed as a tight end in the roster, but he was more of that H-back type of guy. So when I look at this position again, really tight end this offseason, I feel like there's a need to add more talent to it, just when you look at the back end here and the uncertainty of Jimmy Graham in general, and if Graham does go, the need level goes up tremendously because you have to replace your number one U tight end on this roster. So where's your headspace right now, Nick, with the depth here at tight end? Because even though Ryan Pace, as we mentioned earlier in this segment, did a great job of fixing it or getting into a much stronger spot for in 2020 compared to the previous year, 2021 and even beyond, outside of Cole Komet, it's another huge question mark. It
2: really is, Will. So even though Jimmy Graham did have that production. You know, you got to factor in age. Is it. Can he replicate what he did in year one with the Bears? And that's probably the question that the Bears have to ask themselves. Like, if you take away the touchdown production, well, was Jimmy Graham as effective as, you know, we want him to be for another year? And if you take that away, and Demetrius Harris, like, what we'll, we'll get into later in the show, but we, we kind of know what the direction he's kind of headed in for uh, lack of his Bears career at this point. But. A guy like – I'll just throw a name out there because the Eagles don't want him anymore. Zach Ertz is a guy that sounds like, hey, you're going a different direction if you're going to save some cap space by you know, cutting Jimmy Graham, whatever it may be. I don't know. That would be an obvious upgrade in a similar type of system. But it's definitely going to be, I think, a need. Whether – if you keep Jimmy Graham, obviously not as much, but you would still like to have somebody that was more reliable than Demetrius Harris because he went out there – more more times than not, he wasn't blocking anybody, and he uh, re- what reminded me a lot of Deion Sims. And if you remind me of Deion Sims, that is obviously your face says it all. Well, it's not a good
1: thing. I, I had Deion Sims later in my notes uh, when we talk about <laughs> uh, his fate, and I, I I'll save it. So uh, hopefully I don't forget it. Uh, it's in my mental notes, not my paper notes. But yes, Deion Sims is a, a unfortunate comparison for him. Uh, the, the cases of the drops. The easy touchdown that he dropped is the one that always sticks to me, and the, the whiff blocks. And there's a reason why they took him out. It's interesting, though, because I know they didn't have preseason, but he must have showed enough in practice throughout that training camp to warrant all of those snaps, unless they're just being real uh, particular and trying to real, really baby Cole Komet. It's, it's, and that, honestly, with this offensive coaching staff, wouldn't be all too surprised if that was the case. But regardless, uh, the Bears do need to continue to add through this. Zach Ertz is an interesting option, uh, depending on what they do with uh, Jimmy Graham. I would say the only trade off, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, though, Ertz the last couple of seasons has been dealing with a couple of injuries, right? So durability may be the trade off where Jimmy Graham's been very durable throughout his career. Zach Ertz, not so much, but when healthy, the better player on the field.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely, and that that was a strength of this tight end group as opposed to 2019 and availability. The, Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham didn't miss a didn't miss a game, so and if you were to put a guy like Zach Ertz, like that could be the whole um, you know lingering kind of downward thing that affects them. So I, I like what the Bears were able to do revamping the position because they got guys that were on the field. You got to
1: be available. You really do. Without a doubt. Looking at this tight end position as a whole and the area that we just want to see the most improvement. And we talked about Cole commands blocking. If I'm looking at the tight end position as a whole, you said it. And I'm, I, it's interesting. You said it earlier more production in the middle of the field. We, it's a lot along the boundaries outside the numbers underneath stuff. I want a seam buster at the position, like guys that can play it like a Zach Miller. Uh, Martellus Bennett, I've seen him come down with some great catches over the middle of the field as well. Uh, The one that reminds me is the Bears-Ravens tornado game I went to, and that overtime catch that he got from uh, McCown throwing that ball came up all muddy, but right in between the two safeties. Still sticks a vivid memory in my mind. And then going back even to Greg Olson, uh, if you want to go back a little bit further, having someone that can be a vital factor down the middle of the field, to make them have to worry about the seam, it's going to open up the outside. I think the Bears, as a whole, really like to throw it outside the numbers for some reason, and that could be a quarterback issue, probably some, a coaching and a play call issue, probably that as well. Um, but regardless, I do want to see more production from the tight ends over the middle of the field in twenty twenty one. How about you? Yeah, no, that's a, a big thing. just watching, you know, the Super Bowl,
2: you saw two guys that were, you know. D- really could at catching passes over the middle of the field and Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey look those are the echelon the top guys but that's what you would love to see from your tight ends in any offense is that you can extend that middle of the field get those linebackers to back up but right in front of those smaller safeties and just get a good gain on first second down whatever it may be we didn't see enough of that from either tight end and that could be scheme that could be the guys like I said earlier not creating maybe enough separation so you want to see a little bit more of that, at least a willingness to try those type of plays in 2021. Actually, the one play, its well, it's in the red zone, but it's the middle of the field. That one route by Cole Komet where his first touchdown reception. It's on a nice little post route. Yes, a condensed field, but dude, that in the middle of the field. He can catch it. He knows how to go over people, use that big body of his. So definitely agree with you, Will. I want to see more of that in
1: 2021. Right on, man. Now, up next, we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears' wide receivers in that situation, which it's going to get real interesting real quick with A-Rob. But real quickly, Nick, uh, I know you wanted to dedicate some time to talk about something that's very personal to you right now and uh, kind of share it with our listeners.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And maybe some of you know about this, uh, whoever's on Twitter, but my good friend, Adam Sivia, who uh, he was involved in a hit-and-run accident, um, got hit by a car, was pinned up uh, against the wall. And in order for... Surgeons to save his life. They had to amputate his legs. And um, he, a good friend of mine, known him since kindergarten. We played on the same football team all four years throughout high school. We were captains together. Just best of friends. And, you know, he's uh, obviously going through a very different transition in his life. He's already in day two of rehab. But if any of you have the means or are able to help out, uh, I'm going to share with you his GoFundMe page. It's dot gofundme.com forward slash f forward slash adam dash Sivia s-i-v-i-a dash medical dash expenses if you click on that you should see adam's gofundme page but he is a competitor a fighter just the most genuine guy i know bears fan as well and he could really use some help right now but he is in good spirits he's already in day two rehab of course he would be but yeah it's just uh it was crazy when i heard about the news just um it devastated everybody back home here in Waukegan. But he's he's gotten so much support over these past couple of days, but he can really uh, use any help if you guys are able to give it. And just one last time, it's GoFundMe.com forward slash F forward slash Adam dash Sivia dash medical dash expenses. Um, thank you guys so much in advance. Um, but from our Bears family to you, you guys are amazing. And um, just thank you.
1: And if that's a long URL, which it kind of is, and if you just donate to us like, over the next month, uh, Nick and I already said, like, we don't, it's obviously it can be better used right now. Uh, so if you just donate to us, anything that we do get in that would count for your shout out, feel free to do it in that method. We'll pass it over to Adam, and then you can still get your shout out in the show. Uh, so that'd be Venmo at the Chicago Audible and then uh, sh- ChicagoAudible.com slash PayPal. It's been a while since yep. I actually did one of those. It has,
2: it has been a little bit, but yeah.
1: So, yeah, if you want to go with those means, we'll pass it all over to Adam, 100% of those proceeds, those donations. Uh, Nick and I have already uh, sacrificed some extra money that's came our way through this podcast this month and supporting it straight to Adam. So it, it's very important to both of us. Uh, I've only met Adam once in my life, I believe, um, but such a great guy, uh, you know, except to me like one of the one of your friends that you've known for your whole life, Nick. So uh, definitely a tough situation for him. But based off everything I'm seeing with all of his support, you know, he's going to be Okay, And he's going to be, you know, he's such a great, strong-willed person. Um, so I, I have all the faith in the world for him. All right. Let's switch gears and let's focus on wide receiver. And Alan Robinson, Nick, uh, I know we need to talk about him. And I also realize that he's coming up for pass or play And it's not going to be a surprise to anyone listening that I'm certain we both say we're going to want to bring him back. So, I mean, I mean we've been talking about a potential contract with him on the show for, it feels like, about a year now but we still don't have anything. He's one of the best in the game. Uh, there's a real chance that he does go somewhere else this year. So I'm curious if he does. Uh, the question I put in my notes is stupid. How big of a void does that create? It's, it's an obvious huge one. You're missing one of the top five receivers in the game right now from a production standpoint on your roster. So how big of a mistake is it if the Bears let him walk one way or the other?
2: Look, the Bears have made a lot of stupid decisions since we've been doing this podcast, Will. But this would be up there in terms of what you can do wrong to hurt your franchise moving forward. If this truly is must-win, how do you not have Allen Robinson involved in that that game plan for, for a must-win season? You have to. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You don't have Allen Robinson. You're really hurting yourself to be in an advantageous situation to actually be competitive this season. But all time, it would just be a dumb move for the Bears. He's done... He's done everything right, everything right in terms of on the field, productivity, and then just being a stand-up human being off the field. It's You want an Allen Teams want an Allen Robinson. If the Bears decide, like, wait, we don't know if you're worth what, what you're kind of expecting. I think it's around $20 million is what his camp and him are kind of expecting in terms of a yearly average. Allen Robinson deserves that. He's that type of guy, that type of player. And if the Bears and Allen Robinson can't figure something out and most likely lead to a franchise tag, that's on the Bears. That's just another one of the dumb moves they've made.
1: And I know how much Alan does not want a franchise tag, how much he disagrees with that, although I do believe he is an individual that would go out there and play and, play and give it his all under a tag, just the kind of human being that he's kind of shown himself to be. For me, it's just very disrespectful uh, that they're saying they haven't even gotten anything close, uh, which we've heard off and on. And, you, you know, agents say things that get leverage. And so I don't want to back one up. And I, and we're not even in those talks. so You don't really know what they're going like. But the fact that we're in this situation right now makes no sense to me. Uh, Ryan Pace's history of rewarding people has been consistent outside of Allen Robinson. I can think of less deserving contracts that have been put out here uh, by him, by this organization. And, I, again, I, mean, I have one of his jerseys behind me. It's, he's one of my favorite players that I've ever seen on this team. And, again, you brought him in, what, 2018? Uh, you did the Anthony Miller, the Taylor Gabriel, and then you brought in Allen Robinson. You did the trifecta. And he's leaps and bounds the best option that you were able to bring in. Why not reward that? And you got him on a bargain because he's coming off an knee injury. So reward him for coming back the way that he has. So well, we'll, we'll, we'll decide his fate officially here soon, but I'm just frustrated bringing it up. I really did not expect us to be having this conversation when we were having this conversation a year ago.
2: Yeah, it's just it doesn't make sense. I think when it was all happening, um, gosh, I don't even
1: remember when it was. I'm like,
2: don't worry. The Bears will f- – They'll figure this out. There's no way that they can't. And usually, I they put right a in-
1: contract in right before the season. You know, looking at that yeah. early September week. Yeah, he'll yep. be signed then, or he'll be signed by camp, mid-season, as soon as the off-season's over. They'll extend him. We're about to. We're entering free agency here very soon. And yeah, they, I can't believe that's happened. Uh, it's. It's insane. Uh, again, uh, I know there are other needs. Uh, we've talked about them a lot so far. But you're purposely creating perhaps one of the biggest needs and one of the most impactful positions and one of the better players in the game at it. So it's 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 crazy. People fans were outraged when we let Alshon Jeffrey go. This is a whole different conversation. They're not even in the same league.
2: We'll see. Well, it's the Bears. Um, they don't. They're not going to move to Arlington Heights. They're not going to resign Allen Robinson. It's all in the same. That, they're not going to get a. The they're person. not going
1: to get a franchise quarterback. I mean, we can keep going, right? There's a lot of yeah. unfortunate here. It is. <laughs> you're, you're telling me. Let's move on. Uh, we'll talk about a Rob here in a little bit more. Uh, Anthony Miller. I want to focus on him for a bit. He really failed to take a step forward last season. Uh, he had some clutch moments. We can point to those. Um, but by far and large, he just failed to c- to create a consistent role on this offense, at least to the level that we were expecting. And Nick, something that I think you know that I'm real big on are proper expectations. That's why we do our countdown to camp. Because when you set, uh, you know, unruly expectations. That's when you really kind of set yourself up from disappointment that maybe if you would have had more of an easier expectation to lower the bar purposely, but more realistic expectation, perhaps that does change. So what I did is I looked at what Anthony Miller has done compared to the rest of his rookie class. He was the uh, sixth wide receiver off the board. So I have some stats here where he ranks again, sixth receiver off the board. Last season, he was sixth in catches out of that class, seventh in targets. Uh, seventh in catch percent of targets, eighth in yards. And now this is where things kind of go down. So those sound okay. Like that's about right. But he was 13th in touchdowns, which again, quarterback play matters. He was 16th in yards after the catch. I think that's a schematic issue. Second most in fumbles. And then the QB rating when targeted was 13th, which is not all on him. I want to make sure I preface that as well. So he's right about where he got drafted, and then things kind of drop off, which may be more on a quarterback. So I don't know if I'm as soured out on Anthony Miller than maybe I was at the end of last season, how the wild card game kind of went as well, because uh, that was another red flag issue. Uh, there's some others that I think we should talk about. But just when you look at the numbers, he's very much as on point about where he was drafted f- for the most part. So I'm just curious for your perspective here, Nick, at this juncture of his career, what – Who is Anthony Miller? Is he verging towards that bus category? Is he just an average player in this league? Is he somewhere maybe in the middle of that? I can't really say he's above average in any regard. But what's just your current mindset on Anthony Miller? Anthony Miller has talent. I don't think anyone can question
2: that. He definitely has the ability to create separation. um, And usually he can catch the ball when he's thrown to. We saw a couple of drops last year. But I he's talented. The one thing that bothers me about Anthony Miller, actually there are a couple things. But the number one thing is I think it's the mental side of things. Like not knowing the depth of your route, not knowing where to be, this is now your you know, year three, now going into year four, right? Like, why is it that those are reoccurring issues when, you know, you're I think there was a big talk about him being more mature, being a father now, and being having more of a that kind of responsibility on himself. But yet we're seeing the same reoccurring issues, and then you see the whole mental breakdown in the Saints game, like that. That bothers me, Will, because I think he's talented, but he's just not putting that extra effort to put that and translate onto the field. And like you said, quarterback play definitely affects some things. But there was a throw, what was it, week two against the Giants? Left's down the left sideline. Mitch Trubisky, perfect ball. Anthony Miller drops a touchdown after catching the game winning touchdown in Detroit the week before. So these inconsistencies too. And I think when the Bears trade up to get him, it was to be the number two guy. He's no longer the number two guy. We have we're gonna talk about a guy in a little bit here that is that guy now. So when I see what he's what he's doing in terms of production, where he's at, and where he was projected to be, it's definitely a disappointment for me. But I think, look, right now the Bears just don't have any better options. I'm sure we'll talk about more of the depth in a little bit here. But it's disappointing. I had some high expectations for Anthony Miller because I know he's talented. He hasn't amounted to that talent.
1: Yeah, I think the word that I have in my notes when it comes to Anthony Miller is frustrating. Uh, and it's you summed it up perfectly. Lots of talent, but he can't just tap into it consistently. And again, you look at the game-winning touchdown week one the game-winning touchdown, week three, some other catches that are real big third-down ones throughout the year, but that's like his only production in those games. So it's when you really need a big catch. Anthony Miller, he's your guy. For some reason, he can't just be someone to give you yards just when you need a, a first down or just a first and ten, someone that can give you an eight-yard you know, route. It's for some reason, they can't find that out of him. And I believe that when you look at the rest of that rookie class, He has the talent to be one of the better ones. Uh, And I don't know if it's uh, incongruency with the coaching staff and the scheme and how they want to use him. Uh, Because it doesn't look like he's even playing like the same kind of player he was when he was in Memphis. I know the defensive talent level is different, but he doesn't look like that as confident as a route runner, which is like one of the top things that came out with him. This is his precision on routes and his ability to set up defenders on these, uh, you know, double moves. And it's, you just don't really see that too much out of him. And the, you talked about separation earlier uh, when it came to Cole Komet. Uh, I think Anthony Miller is a big one as well. And that's why you're not seeing him get a lot of yards after the catch. Uh, one of the worst in, uh, at least out of his draft class in that regard. I should have looked at the entire league, but if you're not one of the best in your draft class, you're probably pretty low in the rest of the league as well. Um, But yeah, frustrating for Anthony Miller. And I I know we'll talk about him as well later on this show, I'm certain. Um, So I want to move on to a little bit more of an exciting topic for a moment. Let's go from a negative to a positive. Darnell Mooney, he finished fifth. Uh, and uh, let's see, fifth in catches, seventh in, why did I put fifth in catches and seventh in catches, probably fifth in catches, seventh in targets, eighth in touchdowns and eighth in yards after the catch compared to the rest of his rookie class. I like to compare apparently to rookie classes right now, but with Darnell Mooney, it makes a lot of sense with him being such a mid rounder as well. And we were cautiously optimistic with Mooney and what he was bringing to the table after he was drafted, but we, and everyone kind of thought it may take some time just to get acclimated to the NFL, but the dude was a contributor from the jump. He had a lot of production as well, I think, left on the table due to some poor quarterback play. So that's something that I think get our hopes even higher about his potential in this offense here in Chicago. So just looking ahead, uh, just an easy question for Darnell Mooney, what's year two look like?
2: Yeah, year two has, I think, a lot of potential. It's all going to really fall on the quarterback play, but just given who Darnell Mooney is as a player, The route running was far, far better than what I was expecting, just because, look, he's a fifth-round talent. There wasn't, I I think, a lot of high expectations on him, but he just, look, he broke the Bears' rookie record for most catches. which it's the Bears, I get it, which was only set at 45. Darnell Mooney had 61, so he he set the new mark for that next rookie wide receiver, but he was just so polished, even though he came out of Tulane, a fifth-round draft pick, he, it didn't look like that. The Bears trusted him early on, and that's why you saw the snap count for Anthony Miller and you know other wide receivers. Like, they were going to Darnell Mooney because they knew they could trust him, whether it was going on these jet sweeps to get a handoff or just being a decoy or just whatever the route may be. The Bears trusted him, and you saw that early on in the season, and it continued throughout the entirety of the season. But this, look, the, the whole cliche, the sky's the limit. It really is for Darnell Mooney. He has potential... Look, if there's some of those plays that Nick Foles, Mr. Trubisky hit on, I wonder how much I wonder how close he is to a thousand yards in terms of mm-hmm. like he's six thirty one he ended off in. But you hit some of those big plays, keep the offense out there. I don't know, Will. I think he's a, he's a lot closer than maybe some people would think to that thousand yard marker because he was open consistently and that's because he's a good
1: route runner. He has that four three three speed. Is this a, a Ryan Pace, not not total redemption, but is this him going out and being like, okay, this is what I was hoping Anthony Miller would have become? Because I see that. I see a lot of the similarities. I know he's a little faster than Miller, but in terms of how we were expecting Miller to be that route runner and that guy to set it up, you see Mooney, you know, you know, putting guys on skates and just having them fall backwards uh, from time to time as well. And just, he's someone that, you know, the sure hands uh, as well. And I love watching all the work that he's doing with that jug machine, you know, in his house, in his apartment all the time. I love that high motor, that high energy. And I do believe he's someone that strives and really desires greatness for himself. And I believe that motor is really going to just, continue to be a blessing here to have in Chicago as we see him continue to evolve and elevate his game. And I'm really excited to see what he can do from a year one to a year two jump. Uh, I don't want to use the term sophomore slump because I don't expect it, but usually when you don't expect it, it's something that does rear its ugly head. Uh, We've seen it before. Anthony Miller is in a very similar boat uh, when he had a pretty decent rookie year with a lot of scoring and then things really fell off pretty quickly. So it is something to at least think through. Um, but is there anything more about Darnell Mooney at this juncture that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, the only thing that
2: might factor into a sophomore slump if he's not in the field. Obviously, he exited the Packers game around 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter due to an ankle injury. And what he's really good at is creating those yards after the catch. There's so many plays last year, Will, where it looks like Darnell Mooney's not going to get anything. But he has a way of just kind of maneuvering around mm-hmm. guys, getting lower than people. Well, however he does it, he finds a way. But it happened on a play similar to one that we've seen many times before where Darnell Mooney's trying to create more yards after the catch on a simple drag route over the middle, gets injured against, um, it's actually Adrian Amos of all people, has to miss the Saints game. So the one thing that I think just Darnell Mooney being five 5'11", 177 pounds, he just needs to know when... To fight for those extra yards and when to maybe just simply go out of bounds. And I know that maybe it goes way against what he believes in, but like we need him to be on the field. And one way to do that, maybe you just don't have to take that extra hit when it's a two-yard pass and there's three guys coming at you. Get out of bounds, Darnell Mooney, and we'll live to play another, you know, another play. But it may just be against with who he is and what he believes in. But that's he wasn't out there for the wild card game. The Bears definitely could have used him. I don't know if the Bears win that game even with him, but that's just something to be aware of. His size and how he plays could lead to some potential injuries like it did against the Packers in Week 17.
1: I'm interestingly enough going to disagree with you. Uh, I, I love that about him. I don't want him to take away that element of his game, and if he wants to pick and choose his spots, I think he's going to get into his own head a little bit because he's not playing naturally, instinctively as well. And when he plays scared, uh, you played football. I did too. When he plays scared, that's when he get hurt. Uh, So I want to make sure he keeps that that tenacity. You didn't say the same thing about Cole Komet. You use that as a plus. And I know the size is different. The size is a big difference, and I understand that. But it's inspiring, at least for me, to see uh, a smaller guy
0: run. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep. All night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
1: and With that level of determination to gain those extra yards. So uh, that, and again, I don't want him to get too much in his head. Uh, I think he does play and has some great natural ball instincts and he knows what to do with that ball in his hand how to make people miss how to get around guys how to run through guys and that's something you can't coach and you can't teach it's special and i want to make sure that he can continue to cater to that but i understand the risk luckily for us it did he was very much uh, a healthy player all season towards until towards the end there um, but i wouldn't want him to play scared or uh overthink things i mean we talked about that with three cohen quit running out of bounds uh, let's not have darnell moody start doing the same thing yeah,
2: that's very true but yeah six foot seven to a to his little five foot 11 I get it though I get it and yeah just stay healthy however you got to do it yeah no again yeah. yeah you just
1: want him healthy and I get it and I think yeah. you have great intentions and I, I do believe that uh, I, another way to phrase how you said it the only thing that can hold him back is lack of availability if he's on that field and he has a better quarterback under center the sky's the limit of what he can't accomplish. Exactly. There we go. See, I, I turned it in for a positive for you, but let's—we're uh, going up and down the receivers, man. There's a—it's just like a roller coaster ride. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, uh, one of my lessons I took from Super Bowl teams, Nick, was getting more out of role players. And when I look at the roster and I see Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, I'm starting to come to the conclusion that they just can't be those guys. Wims was really only used as a blocker along the perimeter, uh, and when given a big moment and a big chance, he choked in the playoffs, Riley Ridley, he's a mystery coming along real slow. So either that or the bears are trying to keep him the NFL's best kept secret. It's one of the (laughs) two. I don't know which one, but I'm leaning towards the first. So very similar to tight end. uh, I think we can be on the verge of a complete overhaul here at the position, depending on a Rob, what happens to him, Anthony Miller. I know there's some uh, discussion that we need to continue on the show, but at this point in time, where are you? Are you? Do you think that at least the bottom half of this depth chart could be liable to be uh, flipped this off season?
2: It definitely could. Will, um, especially with Javon Wims and what happened in the Saints game, both Saints games. Um, you know, I think that should be an indication to the Bears: we could, we can upgrade here. We can get somebody on a cheap deal where it. We don't need to have. Not that I don't think Javon Williams is a bad guy at all. It just was a bad, you know, moment. I think he learned. It really did learn from it. But he also dropped a, uh, you know, a much needed touchdown in a playoff game. But for Riley, really, like I'm, I'm, like, like how the Bears I think are approaching Riley Ridley really is just wrong. There's no way mm-hmm. that he's that bad to where he can't get playing time. I think this is just the Bears being the Bears and not knowing how to evaluate really the talent that they have and how to get it out. You know, the talent on the field to produce some. Um, it seemed like when Riley Ridley like a pass was thrown to him, he caught it, and it's just there weren't yeah, he many did. He had four
1: targets and he had four targets and four catches last year. You're hundred percent correct. He caught every ball that went his way.
2: Yeah, and I think he ha- I think he's ten for eleven too. Ten tar or eleven targets, ten receptions. So throughout. Now his well, hold
1: on, is that on him or is that because he's never out there? So they're like, eh, let eighty eight it, it go. Could be, and,
2: it could be both. Um, I just know in the what week seventeen against the Vikings, he came up with a huge third down catch on the right side. Like, I don't. I just think he could get more play in time than what the Bears are actually doing out there. But who who knows? At this point, he's obviously not seeing the field for some some reason. But. To answer your question, could they see an overhaul? Probably. the The Georgia guys aren't doing it right now, and they could probably go to some other school to maybe get some other receivers to maybe find more of that depth and production from that third, from that fourth, and fifth wide receiver spot.
1: It's just really interesting to me, just when it comes to. Riley Ridley. Uh, Again, he was a mid-round pick on a lot of those draft boards. He was a top 10 wide receiver in that class. PFF had him as PFF, but they had him, I think, like one of the top ones as well, like one of like the very top. Uh, And we're like, whoa, the Bears got a crazy steal here. How they do that? So either the Bears were just looking around on some blog sites (laughs) like us and we're like, you know, putting that out like, oh, that's a good guy. And they have a hard time evaluating talent, which we know. And sometimes he hit and sometimes you miss. You have a Riley Ridley and then you have a Darnell Mooney. It's just, it's crazy uh, to believe that how little involved Riley Ridley has been compared to the rest of his draft class. And again, it's either he's so far behind, he can't pick up this offense. And Javon Wims is more raw coming out of college the year prior. So that's what's really confusing to me. Or... They knew about this A-Rob situation. Maybe, maybe Nick, and this is huge and speculative, but maybe like, hey, you know what? He's the A-Rob replacement. We don't want to put the league on notice, so we're going to keep him stashed and off the field. That's definitely not the case, but I'm trying to come up with any logical explanation as to why he has such a minute role, and I can't come up to with any other than he's not liked in the locker room, he pissed off a coach, or he just sucks.
2: It could be like a Netflix documentary because I, I think about this sometimes. Why is it Riley Ridley out there? What's going on? Like some kind of investigative piece could be done. The the chronicles of Riley Ridley. That's what it could be called, and it'll have a bunch of views and things like that. But yeah, I just I don't understand it. Well, and I think we're gonna get some clarification pretty soon. I would I would assume, and if we see some of these guys let go, it's like, and it, what we won't actually know if like that was the right move though. If Riley Ridley really goes on to have be productive somewhere else, we'll be like. The bears that's that's just so bears right getting rid of somebody having them go produce but yeah this this bottom half of this wide receiver room which you know credit to ryan pace did overhaul in 2018 might go through another one in 2021 if, especially if Allen robinson's not a part of that
1: absolutely uh what's your overall confidence as it stands today in the wide receivers i think i forgot to do this for tight end so let's do wide receivers first and then uh, we'll circle back to make sure we uh, adhere to our promises to our listeners so confidence level as to the wide receiver group as it stands today
2: as it stands today Allen robinson is still a part of this team
1: so right now when's right? the new year when's the new league year start I don't know if it's official. Is it official yet? But I, I, so I'm doing it. You can tag people, so I guess he still is a part of the team. We'll say he's gonna tag
2: him. Yeah, I give it a six and a half because I still don't like it's Alan Robinson Darnell Moon. That's a great combo, but you go to the Anthem. We just talked about Anthem the the ups and downs that he has in his career, and we don't even know if he's gonna be here next year. But then you go past that. It's like, can you rely on the guys we just talked about? Absolutely not. But Allen Robinson is a top-five wide receiver. Darnell Mooney, we were just talking about, I don't know, maybe could have been a closer to a 1,000-yard receiver had his quarterbacks not thrown overthrown him. So I really like that 1-2 combo, and Anthony Miller can be the third guy now. That that gives me to a 6.5 in confidence, but it, changes, it could change drastically if Robinson's out there, and then you're like at a 2.
1: Yeah, I'm at a three because I just said I had no idea. Uh, again, I, I agree. You did it in a real smart way with, well, he's on the roster as of today. So you're being real explicit with how you interpreted my my language here, uh, which is very fair. I'm just uncertain on what they're going to do with Allen Robinson. And I do believe there's a real possibility that he's not a bear. Um, and if that's the case, then you're looking at your top two being Mooney and Miller, unless you do a free agent, which even looking at that list, Nothing is going to bring you the same level of production or talent as A-Rob. If you go in the draft, unless you somehow hit big again in the mid-round, you're going to have to invest an early pick, which is going to impact uh, some of the other needs uh, on this entire football team. Uh, so I would prefer not to create an, an extra need. So as it stands today, I'm sitting at like a three uh, until we find out what is going on with Allen Robinson. If he's here, like you, I'd be a little bit above a five into that sixth range. Um, but I'm also very just concerned and frustrated with the lack of production um, outside of the top two. And, and that's where I start looking elsewhere to see how can we get that? Cause we did it with tight end last year. How can we do it with wide receiver this off season? So that's kind of where my mind's at uh, tight end confidence. Very similar for me, by the way uh, but I'm at a six, six and a five, six and a half. Uh, I know Graham. That's a, that's a, qu- a question that we'll need to answer here soon. I would keep teasing that one. So it better be a great conversation. <laughs> But Cole Komet and just his long-term uh, potential and viability in this offense is great. And then Graham goes, he do need to find a starting like U type of tight end as Komet stays your why. But outside of that, I believe you're set for some good success here. And there are decent paths to keep or bring in another strong tight end to this offense. Uh, so I feel a little bit better about tight end than I would wide receiver right now. But how about you uh, for tight end?
2: I actually have a six as well, Will. I think, again, you if you do bring back the duo of Komet and Graham, I don't think you're going to have the same you know, production from Jimmy Graham in terms of the red zone touchdowns, but they were both available, and that was the big thing with me. As long as you had those tight ends out there, you can at least still run the offense like you would still want to. Maybe you won't get the production that you're still looking for, but the Bears could not do that in 2019 at all because they didn't have tight ends that were available there are question marks behind those two, like we were just talking about, but you, how many tight, how many productive tight ends are you really going to have? You're not like the, the Patriot, like Patriots of old, where they just had tight after tight after tight end or things like that. But like with tight or with Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, you talked about it. These guys, they were, they were productive in the red zone. What was it? Nine red zone touchdowns between the two. That's, -hmm. that's what you want to see out of a group that didn't, what they had two touchdowns all season. Um, so I think there was six different upgrade. tight ends playing, six different tight ends, and both the t- touchdowns came against the, the Detroit Lions, and one in each game. So I think it—you saw upgrades, and you're just hoping that you could get somewhat something similar from Jimmy Graham. But overall, I'm at a six in terms of confidence.
1: Do you wish you didn't have your head full of weird nuggets like that about six tight ends, only two touchdowns in 2019, both against the Lions, both of them. Uh, you know, one per game. I, I feel like there are probably more important things to keep up there.
2: I There there definitely is, but they're in there because they were so limited. They're like, you yeah. know, how many there were. There were only two and we exactly knew when those happened.
1: Now I know you said nine between the two. Uh, I do need to give again, some kudos to Graham. He carried the, the lion's share there. Eight of them uh, compared to Komet's one. And uh, again, commit's a rookie coming on, but most of that production was jimmy graham so i just want to make sure that's understood um as well but nick we need to play another round of pass or play which is probably the most lackluster grouping we've ever had for a pass or play in our life um but it shouldn't take long uh which may be uh good for us as we still have some more conversation to go so number one dwayne harris you're gonna pass or play (laughs) what a way to start i am going to pass on dwayne harris
2: um i don't know if i really have to give a long explanation for this, but it's Dwayne Harris. Yeah. He's uh, the bears still need to find a punt returner. They really do, but I'm passing on Dwayne Harris for at this time.
1: Yes. Pass Dwayne Harris. Number two, Deandre Carter, very similar situation. Pass or play. I am
2: also passing on Carter again. You can find, you can find somebody better.
1: There are, uh, there are a dozen, a dozen uh, type of players right here. Uh, here's one for you, Nick, uh, Demetrius Harris.
2: Yeah, so this one, it, well, like how we were saying earlier, it's also going to be a Demetrius. Did I put play there? I meant pass. Sorry. I'm passing. Wow, yeah, man. look, in my notes, that says play, but all of my notes afterwards, like, yeah, did you see after week seven, all of his offensive snaps just dipped down uh, tremendously. Yeah. After They week gave seven, up on him,
1: or they were not give up on him. They realized their mistake. and Absolutely. That's, oh, I would hope that's what happened.
2: Yeah, he had 26 offensive snaps in eight games after that Week Seven loss to the Rams, and most of those snaps went to now Cole Komet. So I am passing. Not listening to my notes there, where it says the opposite. They're passing on Demetrius Harris.
1: Yep, I'm passing as well. Uh, this is where I wanted to mention Dion Sims uh, as well. Like, yeah, he's you know they're gonna we're gonna pass on Demetrius Harris. He's gonna go find uh, Dion. They're gonna do the Spider Man meme. You and then they're just gonna move on with their lives. So. Uh, That was someone that, weirdly, I think we had very mild expectations for. Very mild. And yet he still was so bad. He soured us out on him so much. Like Even though we had bare minimum expectations, like a guy who can catch three balls a year, we'd be happy. And maybe it's just how much they wanted to use him that really pissed us off. But for some reason, I really just want him gone.
2: Yeah, that's another Matt Nagy guy. The first Matt Nagy hmm. guy was Nick Foles, and we saw what happened there. Demetrius, I don't know about this Matt Nagy guy. Passer play, no. I uh, just kidding. Go on into the next guy, Will. J.P. Holtz, he's your guy. He is my guy. He's a uh, he is a guy that plays multiple positions, and I did not put passer play here, so I am playing J.P. Holtz. He's coming back. He's like a Ryan. He's like the Ryan Null of tight ends. He finds a way. He finds a way, Will.
1: He does find a way, you're right. He's no Jesper Horstead, though, but I'll let I'll allow him to stay here. So J.P. Holtz, uh, I would play J.P. He's uh, someone that can probably give you some tight end snaps if they need to bump him up on that side of the dub chart, but he is someone that's going to line up as your fullback, your H-back um, as well. And I think we had some really decent runs with those looks last year, and you, you're bringing him back for cheap, so he's not even going to impact your cap situation uh, whatsoever. So he's an easy play and last, and definitely not least, uh, saves him for last on purpose, Alan Robinson. I'm going to pay. I mean, I'm going to play Alan Robinson, but hopefully a little bit of both. Um, but do you want to make it official? What would you do as GM? Or are you going to do the whole what you think Ryan Pace will do? Because that's what you did last week. That is,
2: and I think Ryan Pace will end up bringing back Alan Robinson. So I'm playing. Now, how they do that is is the question you could do obviously the the exclusive franchise tag you could do the transition tag it's like all these the non-exclusive tag like there's so many different ways but i think it needs to be around that number that he's looking for because if you're giving him what i think it's uh the salary cap right now because it's going to be lower the franchise tag would only be 16.5 million that's that's uh that's a good distance from what alan robinson's expecting but you could do the non-exclusive tag, which guarantees a player will make no less than 120% of his salary cap. So that would be closer to $18 million with the franchise tag. There's a, a bunch of different ways, but I just think that Ryan Pace needs to get this right. You can't let a guy like that just go. You need to bring him back somehow, some way. So I'm playing, and the Bears need to, if this truly is must-win, there, I don't see how you do that without Allen Robinson. I really don't. Yep. So you got to play Allen Robinson. Get him back here. Get bring a quarterback in. I think he may take a little bit of a discount, just a little bit. But if you bring the right quarterback, if you bring a Russell Wilson in, I think you know Allen Robinson will come too.
1: Yeah, that would probably be uh, the biggest leverage you can have as the Bears right now. That you do have someone uh, who can throw him the ball a little bit more not consistently because he saw a tremendous amount of looks over these past few years. So maybe it's not the volume, um, but the quality of those looks. uh, And I think that's something that would be very appealing. And I I believe he wants to be in Chicago. I think he loves this city. I don't want to even attempt to put how he probably feels about the organization after a year of this. um, But I'm certain he still would love to be a bear. Uh, I would at least hope so. And fingers crossed they can find a way to get it done. Uh, If there's a tag, unfortunately, we'd have to have this conversation again in a year uh, unless they did come to another agreement uh, in between. Um, But regardless, Nick, if it's February 2022 and we're talking about does Allen Robinson get another long-term deal in Chicago, I think I'm going to go insane.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this can't be the conversation If, if we're still able to have this conversation if it extends another year. But yeah, just figure it out. Figured out bears like do do something right
1: all right so with that settled let's just look at some players that are on the verge of being cut we've mentioned them in passing throughout the show Uh, i have four i have anthony miller javon wims jimmy graham riley ridley Uh, out of that four uh, so that quartet who do you believe will be a bear next year and who do you believe is probably on the outside looking in
2: it's everybody but javon wims i think will actually be a bear next year i think as much as the ups and downs with anthony miller it doesn't you don't save much cap if you cut him and you just create another need for the wide receiver position and if he's wide receiver three hey i mean i guess you'll, you'll take what he can give but um i think that he will be back javon whims like we said he didn't show up when the bears really needed him to and riley Ridley's never gotten that chance and i'm He's still, what, year three? And he's got maybe less than 150 snaps probably, easily uh, less than that in, in the, the years that he's played. So playing him as well, I think when the Bears are assessing Jimmy Graham and what they could possibly do, they're probably better off with him than without because you're just creating another need, another hole. You can't rely on just Cole Komet at this point. We don't We saw bits and spurts of it, but we need to see somebody else to kind of accompany him. And I think with that being said, it's just going to be Javon Wims who's on the outside looking in.
1: Okay. I'm very much close to in line with you. I think Wims, out of everyone, though, if you cut him, saves you the least. Uh, So I do wonder if they bring him back at least to camp, see where his headspace is at, uh, see if he's been able to mature a bit, if he takes a step. Uh, so I don't. Well, I wonder if they would cut him. It would be a post-training camp. Same thing for Riley Ridley. He's not going to be cut before training camp. He's coming back to the building. Uh, they'll give him a good look. If they somehow practice squad him again, I, I feel like he's going to be like grandfathered into the practice squad at this <laughs> point. Uh, but it would be interesting to see if he doesn't show any growth, if that's enough to just let him go or not. Uh, that would be a, a letting go of your fourth-round pick, though, after a few years and only a f- – a handful of snaps is a big admittance uh, of guilt for Ryan Pace. So in a big year for his future, maybe he wouldn't do that. So that's why I do believe Riley really stays. Uh, for Anthony Miller, it really depends on coachability and confidence. And, again, all these guys, I believe, make it to camp. Uh, and I don't believe uh, – the only one that could be cut before camp would be Jimmy Graham. But I would bring him back personally. Eight touchdowns, that's hard to replace. And You said it earlier. Well, I don't think you can count on him to do it again. I don't say why not. If you have a little bit more of an, uh, a quarterback uh, on this team that can provide you with some more consistency and a little bit more of awareness in the red zone, I bet you Jimmy Graham can get you eight touchdowns again. He, I, he has that in the tank. He doesn't need to have all the snaps. If they find another tight end that can maybe start grooming him underneath a Jimmy Graham or just take away just a little bit of his snap load so he's more fresh, and then you just deploy him in the red zone. I know $7 million is a lot of money, but with the production that you could get out of him in a red zone, uh, I think it's almost worth every every penny, which is weird because it was a year ago and I was like, why are they making this deal? And I'm like, yeah, it's worth it. Go for it. Uh, and I don't think $7 million by cutting Jimmy Graham, I don't think you can repurpose that $7 million and provide this offense or if we're going to look at defense next week. So this team uh, with much more value than what you may get out of Jimmy Graham in terms of production uh, and scoring, which the Bears, we all know, need as many points as possible.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, not unless they win a route like a Zach Ertz, and then tried to put their hope that he could stay healthy and you know for longevity wise. But yeah, I agree. That's a it's a good argument to make about Jimmy Graham. If you know for what he did last year and what he's making a million a touchdown and maybe add a couple more, you'll, you'll take that.
1: I, I if you want me to look at you know Anthony Miller's cost per touchdown or Riley Ridley's cost per no touchdown, you know, let me know. <laughs> We can, we can figure those out, but uh, it's hard to say no to people that are giving you uh, the type of level of consistency and scoring uh, that you did get out of Jimmy Graham. So we'll see if any other options that seem better present themselves. I'm open to it. Uh, I'm not going to completely shut my mind to it right now, but as it stands today, just like with Allen Robinson, don't give yourself an unnecessary hole to fill in an off season that already has plenty to need uh, to be addressed. Speaking of which. Uh, that does kind of wrap up all of our offensive positions between our last two episodes. So just looking how everything sits, let's kind of list our order of needs on this side of the ball. I'll begin, and I'll, I'll let you know where I sit. Uh, my number one need is quarterback. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious uh, for every reason. Uh, looking for a starter, and if you if you have to roll with Nick Foles, then you better have a high draft pick. Uh, someone that you can groom underneath the wings. Uh, outside of that, I'm going to go offensive tackle. Uh, At least one, maybe two, depending on what they want to do with Leno Jr., Bobby Massey. Wide receiver, depending on A-Rob, right? Uh, You're either looking at two to three new bodies this offseason. Tight end, depending on Graham, one to two to keep adding to this position. And then as much as I really was hammering the table last week for running back depth, it still falls to the bottom of my list. Uh, Just looking at everything else. And after that, you just start looking at, like, bottom end, like, guards and centers and just keep filling up the bottom end of the roster. But if I'm looking at true needs, my top five would be quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver, tight end, and then running back for depth. What about you?
2: Uh, Mine's going to look very similar. It's going to be quarterback tackle, but I'm going to throw in, we talked about it in depth about Sam Mustafer, but center might be a bigger need oh, that I think, shoot. you know, that than maybe people are thinking about because you, I think they're definitely going to bring competition for, for Mustafer for sure. So I'm going to put center in front of wide receiver, and then it will just fall regularly with the tight end, and then running back as well. Um, so just I just, I guess, added one more.
1: Um, you need to. No, I made a mistake. I overlooked center, which, again, maybe that's good for Sam Mustafer. that when I was going through my notes, I didn't even think about that position as a, a true need right now. But it is one. They have to add a center, uh, whether they draft someone – whether it's a, a, a veteran free agent that's at least, um, you know, someone that can, you have to find someone that pushes for the job. Because we talked about it last week. You can't just hand over the keys to Mustafer. You have to find someone that, to push and contend for this job. Uh, because if you're settling for one, you're not doing this team a service whatsoever if you're Ryan Pace. So that's a really good one. I would probably still peg it to me underneath wide receiver. Uh, just because I don't know about A-Rob right now. If we come back, we hear tomorrow that he's tagged or he's on a new contract. Probably the first one before we hear about the second one, then we can start reordering. But if A. Rob's gone, that is a huge need in of itself—a number one wide receiver.
2: Yeah, that probably, man. A. Rob were to be gone, you do have—you technically do have tackles that would be under contract. And I would almost be—that it'd be a close second or third, like just jumping up without A. Rob because Darnell Mooney's great. Is he a, could you say he's a number one right now to no. be the number one on the team? I've seen that conversation, actually, through the Bears fans. I've also seen Bears fans think that Akeem Hicks is a linebacker. Facebook's a dark place, Will. the it Bears, sure is. Oh, man. But, yes, it's uh, it would definitely be a big need if Allen Robinson was not here.
1: Okay. Anything else that you wanted to discuss here today, Nick? I am pretty wrapped up on my side.
2: Yeah, we wrapped up the entire offense, which was uh, obviously in two shows here, went in depth with each position, needs, and everything. So just make sure if you haven't listened, go ahead and backtrack here. You don't need to necessarily listen in any order. Just know that we went in depth on everything that you need to know about this Bears offense and transition next week to the defense.
1: That's right. Heading into the offseason, by listening to these episodes, you should be in a really good spot to understand needs heading into free agency, Uh, as well as the draft. And once we get through internal needs, then we get to have even a little bit more fun and start looking outward uh, mock draft episodes and free agent uh, scenarios to kind of work through as well. So I'm excited for those shows. But first things first, we need to switch sides of the ball talk about this Chicago Bears defense. We'll start with the front seven, so defensive line, outside linebackers, and inside linebackers next week, and then we'll follow that up with a show about the secondary, which puts us right in a good time for free agency. So I'm excited to kind of go through the schedule with each and every one of you as we stay, uh, well, consistent, and we can kind of keep marching ahead here through the offseason. Did you see what I did there, Nick, because it will be March next week?
2: Um, I overlooked that, but, man, it's flying by. Good, Good job there, Will.
1: <laughs> right? You have to throw them in when you can, but I'll call that a wrap. If you haven't yet, uh, do Nick and I one favor, uh, just take a moment to rate or review our show on Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot uh, to the both of us. It does go a long way toward helping grow our audience um, as well. Make sure to use our code over at manscaped.com, fansided 20 if you're looking to pick up some grooming tools for your family jewels. And then again, uh, Nick, I'm not going to have you go through the whole GoFundMe link, um, but if you want to donate to us, so we can pass it over to Nick's. Uh, close friend, Adam, uh, with everything that we we already mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, just give us a donation at ChicagoAudible.com slash PayPal or look up at the Chicago Audible. You'll see our uh, iTunes logo in the photo or as well. You'll see Nick's name and donate there, and we'll push everything over to Adam. Uh, and that would count for a shout-out in the show. We haven't asked about those in a few weeks uh, purposely or about a month purposely, but it seems like a good time uh, to do so right about now. But thank you for everyone for watching or listening to this episode. Up next, again, the Chicago Bears front seven. What changes may be afoot over there and what will the defense look like with Eddie Goldman coming back? That's exciting. Uh, so I'm excited to get to all that with you here next week. But until then, bear down, Chicago.